This is Women's Australian Rules Football. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, available on most podcast platforms and at WARFradio.com. As you would have listened to in previous weeks, most of our podcasts go for two and a half hours and a range of guests. Unfortunately, this week, due to work commitments, this podcast is actually going to be rather short. It's only going to be 40 minutes long and will include just the Coach versus Coach segment with Nicole Graves and Lisa Coach Kiwi Raper looking back at week one of AFL. AFLW finals and previewing this weekend's round of finals in the AFLW, Adelaide versus Melbourne and Brisbane versus Collingwood. Plus, we'll also have a short snippet of the latest women's footy news. We hope to have the normal full-length podcast for you next week. To our latest women's footy news, and these are the delistings as of April 9th. These have all been publicly announced. Carlton have let go of Alison Downey, Katie Lawrence, and Jess Edwards. Geelong have let go of Maddie Boyd, Nicole Garner and Mia Skinner. Richmond have let go of Luca Lasoski, Hay, Cleo Saxon Jones and Holly Whitford. And St Kilda have let go of Ali Brown, Tamara Luke and Nadia Von Bertok. Uh, the retirements that have been announced so far include uh, the Gold Coast Suns' uh, Sally Riley, Geelong's uh, Astor O'Connor, uh, Fremantle's Leah Maskell and St Kilda's Selena Carlson. It's worth noting that Nicole Garner, Tamara Luke and Nadia Van Bertok have all signed to play with Hawthorne in the VFLW now will make their debut this weekend along with Georgia Bevan who was an injury replacement player for the Gold Coast Suns uh, this season. She'll return to play with Hawthorne again in the VFLW for 2021. And Bridge Stack, the Irish woman who signed to play with the GWS Giants this year and of course uh, fractured her vertebrae um, in a horrific collision with uh, Ebony Marinoff uh, during the preseason. She has been told that she's been offered a contract for the 2022 season by the Giants and she is currently weighing up uh, whether she'll be returning with her family to Australia uh, next summer to run around in the AFLW. And there's under-19 AFLW National Championship action uh, this coming week on Monday and Thursday. Monday at Avalon Airport Oval, Thursday at uh, Trevor Barker Beach Oval in Sandringham. Both of those games will be streamed via the women's.afl website, so keep your eyes on social media for that. Two women's foot legends go head-to-head in Coach versus Coach. Finals football is underway and it's much of a same old, same old when it comes to tipping, as we explained in a moment. This is Coach versus Coach, two legends of women's footy in one corner. It is Lisa Coach Kiwi Roper and in the other corner it is Nicole Graves. How are you both? Good day, strong. Good yeah, to well. like a magpie. Good to have you both back. But uh, Gracie, I'll start with you first. I thought finals would be, you know, a new page for you to turn it over. Dare I say, you're one down in the tips already to Coach Kiwi once more. Yeah, well, I did encourage Kiwi to go for her own team, like because she always stitches up the pies. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking that, but that's okay. That's well, okay. I'm. Uh, it's all good. Well, of course, As you said, I just doesn't re- mean that I don't know anything about football. <laughs> just to remind everyone, you both tipped the pies. Gracie, the pies by 12 points. Coach Kiwi, the pies by 10 points. The deciding tip today, and we start by having a look back at this first game, was Fremantle versus the Demons. Gracie went for Frio by six points. Coach Kiwi went for the Ds by seven points. In the end, Melbourne won by 17 points. Coach Kiwi, I'll begin with you first. Does the wind explain everything? Does the wind explain everything at Casey Fields? Well, you know, it's 
that's what they say, right? That you're supposed to know your home ground and know every aspect of it. And I guess in uh, favour of Melbourne Demons, is they know every aspect of which way that wind is going and how, more importantly, how to kick against it. Um, so yeah, I think they they play the conditions very very well, and I'm pretty sure they're at seven home game wins in a row now or something. It's they're um, they're certainly owning the uh, matches down at Casey Fields. But they, look, you know, it was a solid effort. They um, I think they just really took it to Frio from from the get go, and and knowing that Frio have been slow starting. Um, the last few matches. So I think that's probably the key to getting, you know, the scoreboard pressure really early in the game. Um, but, yeah, I think for me, I think the forward line, they had a little bit of a shuffle throwing Brenna Tarrant in the forward line probably to replace Daisy Pierce. So Brenna's been um, traditionally a defender for them, apart from a little stint in the VFLW team. I think she kicked five uh, in one of the weeks. But, um, you know, they, they were just solid. Solid through that midfield. They dominated in there. Uh, Los Peel's was fantastic in the ruck, um, almost to the point where you just felt like the Frio ruck, just stand back. <laughs> stand back and play as an extra midfielder because you're just not going to get this um, any other way. Um, and, you know, probably I don't think Horton came into the game until a bit later on and uh, probably, you know, just what Frio have been doing lately, just coming coming later to the, to the party and, um, you know, if you turn up late, the snacks are gone and the bar's half empty and goodbye, Frio. Game over. Season done. Indeed, it was actually um, 19 points of difference at halftime, 3-3 to 0-2. In the third quarter, Fremantle outscored Melbourne 3-5 to, uh, pardon me, three goals, three to just the one goal. But again, with that wind advantage, Melbourne were able to uh, sail home and uh, kick one goal, seven in that final quarter to just uh, no score from Fremantle. Gravesy frustration again for the Dockers. We saw a couple of years ago, of course, they got knocked out by Carlton in that semi-final um, uh, when they had a bunch of injuries going into that one. Then obviously last year they defeated Gold Coast and then COVID knocked out the whole season. Fremantle get back to the finals again and disappointment to say the least. Yeah, it would have been definitely, and you can see it on their faces at the end of the we're the end of the game. And ultimately, Pete, you know, Freo, weirdly enough, they just never looked in it. Mm. You know, after, you know, 10 minutes in, you were like, oh, this is not good. Like, you know, you got that vibe that it just wasn't looking good, you know. And and teams are starting, you know, it's, it's most it's spoken about most about Freo as these slow starts and teams are really exposing that. And I guess even Freo starts to believe that that becomes an issue, doesn't it, you know. Um you know, and it, they just they just didn't have contributors. You know, Bowers, yep, twenty possessions, but then the next best were all defenders. So you know that you can tell where the ball was a lot of the time. Their forwards, you know, Rue four, Houghton nine. So Houghton gets up the field a bit and gets that. Even Juddy six and Gabby O'Sullivan, you know, who's sort of that rotating mid forward. Yeah, you know, four disposals. You know, it's just not enough playing finals against a team like Melbourne, you know, and I think, you know, they really have to, they have to change the plan. I think I spoke last week about the frustration, I guess, I had knowing that group well and, and, and also the coach pretty good that, you know, they need to use the ball better. The kick and hope is just not good. And, you know, their, their real thrush, thrust forward, I should say, um, is all about that real just, 
kicking it in, kicking it in, kicking it in. And defenders can defend that because they know it's coming in loose and not coming in to any necessary you know, necessarily any accuracy. So, you know, and, and that sort of thrusting that forward, you know, that forward thing and running all back and the way that they move the footy, it just expends so much energy with not a great deal of outcome. Um, so, yeah, so I guess, you know, they'd be really disappointed and they really probably now as these other teams are really starting to be quite efficient by hand and by foot, you know, Freo need to look at their game plan moving forward. Um, if they're going to challenge, continue to challenge, because they've got the talent, there's no problem about that. They've got some good ball users. They probably need to go into the, you know, into the West Australian draft looking for, you know, I guess what I call real footballers and people that know the game, play the game, and make really good decisions and hit targets. Um, so I think that that's really important for the Dockers. In terms of Melbourne, you know, five ten, they could have absolutely blown the Dockers away with that one seven in the last quarter. They were confident. They were confident from the start. They put Freo away early. I thought Alyssa about another Northern Knights um, prodigy. You know, she has such a, you know, she only got six disposals but she really uses them well. She shows a, you know, maturity and it's quality ball use. Um, and, you know, Melbourne uncontested plus 32. We know they're an outside team. We know they like to kick and mark and, and yeah, plus 32. You can't let them get away with that. You know, uh, Maddie Gay's been outstanding this year. Nineteen Paxi, her leadership with Lily Mithen, you know, twenty disposals. Lily seventeen, and you know, Tegan Cunningham. Just you know, she's been that key forward. But what we saw on the weekend was actually her get getting forward and back, and as a and almost that tall utility with sixteen disposals. Melbourne just keep finding players, and I think that's a belief thing. Their players just really believe they can play anywhere over, you know, around the field, and that's such a depth thing. So, yeah, Melbourne were were amazing. So, yeah, they were fantastic, and and they really show that 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 belief and that depth is so important when you maybe get some injuries and and such and so forth. But no, listen, I'm happy to take the the kicking on the tip because I thought Melbourne were really good, and and you know, Dockers probably got a bit found out. So yeah, that energy expended in their in their game plan is probably not something to, that they need to look forward um, doing. A question for both you on each of these teams. First of all, to Coach Kiwi, um, as we talked about with Fremantle having the slow start and the 2019 season and the 2021 season, Fremantle um, just essentially there's like collapsing at the end. Um, we can't really compare 2020 because the season was cut short. Is that something to do perhaps with strength and conditioning and how the Fremantle side is prepared and where they're at physically and peaking in the season and maybe they're peaking too early? Um, look, I, I actually don't think so. If you um, if you pick apart their season, especially this year, well, you know, firstly I'll go back to, I sort of start to think that they perhaps believe too much of the media they wrote about themselves that they should have been premiership winners last year. I, um, you know, and granted they were undefeated at that point in the season when it ended, but, you know, other teams and people know throughout all sorts of grades, you can be undefeated heading into a grand final. It doesn't necessarily make you the winner. Um, you know, finals are a whole other ball game. And I think, you know, over the last few years, you kind of look at where they've had some of those 
tough games. And yeah, so at Icon Park, that game a few years ago, you know, they went into that game favourites. You know, they were playing some really good football and just were slaughtered by Carlton. I think Carlton just sort of knew how to take it to them. They knew what was on the line and they absolutely lifted to get themselves that spot into the grand final. And I think, you know, when you look at this season, they have probably only, apart from the game in the weekend, was their second time. But prior to um, finals, they've only played one team in the top six and one. All the other wins that they've collected this season have been against you know, lower-rating teams. Like, you know, they played Gold Coast or Giants. They played West Coast twice. So when they've looked really, really sharp, they're probably, and kicking, you know, a lot of goals, they've had weaker opponents. So perhaps they weren't playing quite the top-level football that they thought they were or everyone else perhaps what they were if we start to look at who they're playing against and that style. So once they've played these harder teams, um, you know, Carlton, you know, almost took the four points on them, but Carlton really prevented them getting a lot of run forward. Um, North last week were, um, you know, really solid throughout and stopped Frio getting, um, you know, a lot of run and carry that they, you know, that they like to do. And I think Demons did it again. So, um, yeah, I don't know that it's to do with their strength and conditioning. I just think perhaps their game plan or their game style just is um, easily easily rattled when they come against the much uh, tougher and more experienced sides. And a question for Gravesy on Melbourne. Let's put you in the selection committee. You're in the chair. It's a tied vote. It comes to you and you've got to make a decision. Daisy Pierce. there's maybe hints that maybe this is the year. This is it. This is the swan song. She's trying to get back in the side, whether it be this game against the Adelaide Crows coming up or let's say she doesn't get up for this game and Melbourne beat the Crows and get through to the grand final, then the judgment call comes at you again. After you've seen what they've done to Fremantle, do you go, look, I'm sorry, Daisy, but we've got a winning team and everything's working. We're just going to keep it going and not take the risk? Or for team morale, do you put her in and say, okay, she is the captain, she has to play? Yeah, it's an interesting one, Pete, and I've actually... I was actually thinking about this on the drive home tonight, uh, today, is that I think Daisy, being the character that she is, she will make the decision in what's the best interest for the team and not for Daisy, which is a really hard call when you're so, you know, emotionally and um, football-wise um, driven and you know, connected to this particular footy club. So I think Daisy will make, the right decision for the team and not for Daisy Pierce. So I think there's that's one factor. The other factor is at the end of the day, if they can get over Crows, you know, and not have to play, a, you know, and not have to play a grand final at Adelaide Oval. Um, and as I said, I've had experience playing the Crows in the grand final at Adelaide Oval. Um, you know, I think she has to go. Like if she's right to go, and the decision is. Um, yet you're good for this game, but you could hurt it more and not make a grand final, I think she'd still go for this game. Because I think the outcome of this game is so much more important about than thinking about what's going to happen the week after. You have to play what's in front of you. And this week is, is probably almost the toughest ask in football. Playing the Adelaide Crows when they're up and about at Adelaide Oval with, you know, they could get 30,000 
class at that ground, given, you know, they said they have such great support by the Adelaide community and, and, you know, obviously watching that grand final a couple of years ago with 53,000 there, I think, you know, the, the, the Adelaide community really get on board. Uh, the Crows and the AFLW team. So, yeah, so I think yeah, I think Dave's will make the right decision for her team and, and that's just the type of person she is. But, you know, if she's ready to go, she, sh- she needs to go this week. You know, she needs to play this week and give her team the opportunity to play in the grand final. Um, but as I said, if Dave doesn't think she's good enough um, or fit enough or strong enough to go out there, I think Dave will make that decision herself so yeah um doesn't mean that you know melbourne can't do it without her but you know they're just going to be more solid and more um have more belief i suppose if she's out there the other final was collingwood versus north melbourne at victoria park in a yo-yo game collingwood pinched it at the end seven eight fifty over north melbourne seven to forty four i'll start with you coach kiwi Obviously, you have an affiliation with Collingwood's assistant coach and the VFLW. Um, how was the blood pressure during that final quarter? <laughs> I um, I don't know if I had any. It was just, it was tense. It was incredibly tense. Um, I happened to be sitting next to Steve Simon's daughter um, in that last quarter and well probably neither of us could actually sit down so probably sitting is not the right term for it um, but yeah we were on our feet and um, I guess when I realised that they were one point behind um, I, I, you know I had a little bit to do with Tani Brown when I was at Eastern Rangers and I thought wait a second if they lose by one point <laughs> Tani Brown had kicked that point for North oh, this is just devastating. And I sort of said, I was thinking out loud, I think, and there are a few other people around him that were all like, oh, no, poor time. And I, I don't know, the crowd, we just willed her on, I guess, a bit more. And um, and then, you know, the absolute talent of that kid got out the back of um, that ball that bounced through and, and kicked an absolute ripping goal um, to get them back in front, I think it was at that point. Um, but yeah, I uh, when she kicked the goal, I turned around to Molly and went, "Where did Molly go? <laughs> she had walked off. She was that nervous she couldn't watch anymore, and um, she'd walked away." And I was like, "You missed the best bit. <laughs> she got us in front." Um, but yeah, it was it was very tense, and you know, hats off to the coaching team because I think um, I think they made some some you know changes and adjustments during that game. You know, North threw everything at Collingwood and. Um, you know, you can, as any coach will know, and Graves you can go in with a really solid game plan, but sometimes you've got to counter some really good things that the Oppo does. And I thought, you know, I thought North did incredibly well to come back from behind, get in front by so much um, at that point of the game, and rather grateful, I guess, or relieved <laughs> that Collingwood were able to crawl it back. But you know, it's just it's just talent all over the park. Both teams just had some really skilled players and players with good experience um, or good finals experience and I think we're able to keep their calm, just keep their heads in the game and just knew what their jobs were. Um, You know, Jamie Lambert for a little while was off the field with, um, you know, a bit of an injury that they were testing and I think it was at that point was when North came back and kicked three. Um, So interesting that you probably wouldn't think of 
her making a huge difference, but it just happened to be that they kicked while she was away. Um, and I guess, you know, part of that was Braz was looking great running through the forward line, but then they had to flick her down the back line just to bolster ranks here a little bit too. So I guess we've got players that can play both ends and be so flexible around the um, game plan. Um, it's just something, you know, quite good to watch. And apart from the nerves and uh, the high blood pressure, I'm very stoked Collingwood got the win. But um, And just more for those girls, I guess, because I know the girls reasonably well, well, most of them um, were part of our 2019 premiership team for the VFLW. So um, just stoked for them and knowing how much they put into this and um, and just, I guess, what they call themselves, the sisterhood down there. And it's, um, it's something a little bit special at that club, for sure. Yes, I think I've heard the term that they said they're all a bunch of weirdos. Who was that? Was it Shani Layton that said that? It was on, who said that? <laughs> Probably. It, she is the queen of the weirdos. I think her and Stacker and, um, and then Schleicher will come in too. But yes, there's a few of them that would take the crown, without a doubt. <laughs> and a cheeky stat out of that game. Since 2019, when the Roos entered the competition, Collingwood and North have played each other four times. And Scott Gowans has a perfect 4-0 record. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> Nicole Graves... <laughs> You've seen her up close when she played for the Blues in 2019. How good is Bree Davey? She broke the record, didn't she? Sorry, guys. Had it on silent. Um, yeah. Oh, how good is she? Yeah, and listen, and, you know, Bree's always been amazing, but she really has embraced, you know, the the pies in a new environment. And, the, you know, 31 disposals is amazing, but, you know, 14 kicks, 17 handballs. So, you know, not only says that she's penetrating by foot, you know, um, hitting targets and, and getting it inside 50 out of clearances and she worked, you know, always at that sweeping back. So she's, you know, she's a defensive mindset. So she will, will always work back as a midfielder and that's hard to get sometimes with midfielders. They always want to seem to creep forward for some reason. But the 17 handballs tells a story as well because, 17 handballs means she's bringing her teammates into the game. And this is the, the beauty of, of Bree Davey. She's not a selfish player. She wants to bring her teammates on the ride with her. So when she's up and about, she's so good at bringing those others into the game that she that they bring, you know, that they all come along with her, if you know what I mean. You know, so in that game, of their 21 players that played that day, 13, 13 of them were in double-digit disposal figures, which is just brilliant. You know, um, you know, Chloe Malloy, yep, she had seven. So she needs to find a way through, um, you know, maybe those harder tags or just finding a way through. But isn't it wonderful when, you know, Chloe Malloy doesn't have to fire for Collingwood to, to win footy games? So, you know, it's a bit like we spoke about Erin Phillips when she doesn't have to fire and... and and uh, and Adelaide can do that. So, but I think they need Malloy firing more if they're going to, um, you know, they're going to get through next week, which is going to be a massive challenge up here. So yeah, so I mean, they were just brilliant, the Pies, and you know, they were plus eleven in the inside fifties, or plus seven in the clearances. They really, really actually dominated, even though the score was a kick. But seven goals, eight, you know, six, six more. Um, scoring shots really again you know like Melbourne they could have put the team away so you know um, we take catches win matches but gee whiz so do goals um, in terms of the ruse you know they need to build on that 
that middle tier in their youth. You know, they've got Bateman and Saad and um, Gavalis, which have all been really fantastic contributors. But that middle tier really hasn't fired. Abitangelo, you know, she, she comes up, she bobs up with some amazing stuff, but she's not consistent, you know, and four um, disposals in a, in a, you know, in a, final in a knockout finals it's probably just not good enough so you know they had seven players in double digits and you know guess who they were you know the majority Carney, Riddell, Bruton, Ashmore, Garner so yeah so if North Melbourne moving forward and and they've been touted and they have amazing talent no doubt but if they're moving forward if they don't get those young kids and that middle tier probably not even the young kids but that middle tier to to go with them, then they're not. They're going to keep getting knocked out of these these finals and not make the big dance. I think. So yeah, that was interesting. Kingy was well held, six disposals. That's probably her lowest for the season as well. So yeah, maybe she was sort of kept out of the game, and Pies might have paid, might have paid a little bit more attention to her. So I mean, it was yeah, it was a fantastic game, as Kiwi said. Certainly came, you know, kept us all interested. I do you know, feel the we had a few of the. Players here watching the game on our Easter Saturday cricket Bluebirds cricket match. Uh, so yeah, so we were watching the game, and yeah, it was. I mean, both games were entertaining to watch, but this one was like, <gasps> yeah, there was so many moments. So yeah, <laughs> it is what it is, mate. Who were they? Um, well, I think, well, given the crowd that I was probably with, um, and uh, the beauty was, I just kept changing footy jumpers, you know, just on putting. <laughs> So yeah, I, and I actually had the bit of the, I had the Kiwi kid to death actually Kiwi. So I, I had the pies jumper on because I was American for pies. Um, well, sorry, but yeah, sorry, North people. Um, and like the pies were losing, I'm like, I'm gonna stuff this. I've, I've got the kid to death. So I went and got a North jumper from down in the down in the bottom drawer, put the North one on, and they started to lose. And I'm like, wicked! I'll keep this one on. And then, yeah, everyone was like, what the hell are you doing, Gravesy? And I'm like, I'm just, obviously I've got the kiss of death, so I'm just going to keep changing until it happens. And I actually wore the Frio jumper the whole Frio game, so I really knocked him off as well. So that's pretty sad. But, uh, it is all your fault. Yeah, you it is all my fault. No I, I, no, I actually blame you because I used to not have the kiss of death until I started tipping against you. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm giving you my good luck and I've copped your crap. But anyway, that's how it goes. But yeah, Bree Davy, Pete. <laughs> that was a long-winded. Bree Davies is a superstar. Love her. Now, at, no doubt at some stage, whether it be the off-season or during the second season, comparisons will be made uh, of Darren Crocker's tenure as North coach versus Scott Gowan's tenure as North coach. But if we now have a look over the three-year run of North, do we actually have to sit back for a moment and say we've actually overhyped North Melbourne, considering where they're really at. Season one, yes, they had a good season, but they fell short of the of the, the second spot to qualify for Conference A to make their finals. Season two, 2020, they scraped over the line against Collingwood. And if, if things had gone to plan, they would have met Carlton the next week. And a few pundits were actually tipping Carlton to beat North in that matchup. And now that they've been done by Collingwood, actually twice in the season they've been done by Collingwood, um, and they've they've failed against stronger opponents, have we been hyping North Melbourne too much? Are they actually really just a, a mid-range side that just happened to beat up on the lower teams? They, um, they've certainly got some real high-class players in that team. 
so I don't know, maybe, and I, I don't know, I thought this year they they looked different. Their game plan just looked a little uh, a little different in the way they were using some of their players and the way they were bo- mo- moving the ball around the field. Um, so maybe, I don't know if they're just adjusting to something new, but um, certainly I think they've, if, you know, a team on paper is not always a championship team, but it's that team on paper certainly do look worthy of a top four spot. And you've got to you've got to think that you know in terms of when they came into the season into the um, into the competition, they picked a team to be successful quickly, mm. and they were in comparison to the other teams that came in that particular year, and the teams that have obviously you know come in since. So yeah, so that plan was successful. That's what I was saying in that synopsis, I guess, of their season and. Yeah, we talk about Scott Gowns and Scotty's a ripping fella. But at the end of the day, Crocker didn't, you know, Scotty Gowns didn't have any more success than than Crocker's had this year. In fact, they've finished, as you pointed out, um, Pete, quite similarly. So I think it's, they got a really instant success in terms of the team, you know, that came in at at similar times and have come in since in that strategy um, where you're looking at, you know, Geelong, or second bottom. So, you know, you're looking at different sort of scenarios. So, yes, it was successful to not, I guess, kind of be embarrassed early. But uh, And they play amazing footy. There's no doubt about it. But I, I think Crocker's um, game plan will just take some time. You know, you can't just come in with a new coach and everything just changes straight away. Um, and, you know, Collingwood, you know, in their second year under under Steve Simons has really developed. So it'd be interesting to see in 2022 whether whether Croc can have a, a different impact and a different, um, you know, and they and they get into that plan. They get a few more young players, you know, you know, load some of the players that really just aren't giving them, you know, great use or consistent use. Um, yeah, things can change really quickly. So, no, I'm not giving up on North, um, but it's just not their time. You know, at the end of the day, I think it is Collingwood's time. They've certainly bought their time in terms of being at the other end of the ladder and, and building their list and, and doing all those things. So, I, yeah, I don't, you know, certainly not potting north and what they did because they're a lot closer to, to you know, serious finals and, and grand final contention than the other teams that are, you know, that were bought in at the same time. So the, the theory works, no doubt. Let's look ahead, shall we, to week two of the finals and let's get some tips. Coach Kiwi, let's start with you first. We go to the Adelaide Oval, the Crows versus Melbourne. Who wins and by how much? Uh, this is going to be a really tight match. Um, I Yeah, I, both teams could easily win this. I'm going to actually go Crows in that hopefully they will own the home field. It's probably um, less open to the conditions um, wind-wise and things like that. But, you know, it's probably holds a very special place in their heart after uh, what they did there the last time they played. So I'm going to go the Crows by four. Gravesy. Yeah, listen, I don't disagree with Kiwi. Um, there's probably a couple of things around this. I'm a little bit worried about Melbourne again. You know, listen, I'm, I'm on the bandwagon. But I'm worried that 
the workload over the past month is going to be is going to come and bite them. They've they've been up so long and worked so hard, you know, for basically half a season. Uh, where crows have it, yeah, had ups and downs, but you know they've got such consistent, you know, such you know talented group. Yeah, there's a, obviously a cloud over the daisy thing, and and they probably know by now. Um, they're probably just keeping it all from the rest of us. So yeah, so it is an interesting thing around Melbourne. I mean, the crows, Adelaide Oval, you know, gee whiz. Unfortunately, I was witness to that dominance uh, a couple of years ago at the Adelaide Oval. Um, you know, they're up and about, they're talented. If they keep Chelsea Randall forward, and they may, you know, get nervous and put her back in defence, but if they keep Randall forward, they stretch Melbourne's defence so much that I think it can have a really, it may have a really positive effect. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's probably, a bit, yeah, you know, just sending a bit of a coaching tip over to Adelaide because they don't give a shit what I think. Um, so, yeah, but I think if they can keep Randall forward and not be, you know, not be nervous if Melbourne, you know, get a couple of quick ones or whatever, I think that they'll stretch Melbourne's defence too much because I don't know if Melbourne's defence has got something to stop that one. So, and Adelaide would have learned a lot from that loss um, against Melbourne a few weeks ago um, in terms of what they have to do to, you know, shake off some of those tags and, that real consistency, but yeah, I am a little worried that the workload. I, I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong, but yeah, I've got Adelaide by 18 points, mate, over there. Going for a bigger margin, and a question without Huge. notice to both of you: um, How big do you think the crowd will be there on a Saturday at Adelaide Oval? Uh, Coach Kerry, I'll start with you first. As a rough guess. Um. Is a men's game on Saturday night? Is it a double header? It's not a double header. Standalone. It's it's standalone. Yeah. Look, I I think I think it'll be a bottom tier match. I think they won't open the top tier in the grandstand. I reckon you know maybe ten thousand. And Gracie, do we get extra points if we <laughs> guess this right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think there's been a bit of hype in the media and stuff around them. Obviously, Adelaide Oval actually requesting the AFL to to move it to the Adelaide Oval. So, you know, they they know what's going on over there. And, you know, they consistently got really good crowds uh, given COVID um, at their local, you know, at their local home ground, I guess, whichever one that might be. Yeah, Norwood. Norwood. So I I, I reckon they'll get 20. I reckon they'll get 20,000 there. If not 20 plus So I spoke earlier about that But yeah I think that they can get it Like it was Mate there was nothing I I can't believe Like watching the ground fill In 2019 That grand final Was just Something to be Amazed by Like it was just Yeah one minute was Yeah bottom tier And next minute They were like you know, the speakers were going off and they're like opening more gates and they're opening more sections and, and Nick minute was filled. It was it's an amazing the Adelaide crowd's brilliant, you know, in terms of how they get on you know, how they support their AFLW team. I should be commended on that. It's awesome. We we were down we flew down for that because it was a grand final and, you know, granted a lot of people did fly in because it was a grand final, I think adds to it. But there's a there's a Facebook page and I think it's called Shit Towns of Australia. And they had done a thing that um, Adelaide was shit Adelaide. 
there's nothing to do in Adelaide to come down to the women's footy and they've just got sheared thousands of times. So I don't know if uh, that's a good tactic, you know, get onto one of these social media pages. But um, yeah, it was pretty that was pretty funny that we saw. But um, but yeah, I think that's that's their only challenge is that I think they you had the draw of the grand final, so you had people flying in from all over the place, whereas perhaps this time round you won't quite have that. Yeah, no, and there was, you know, I think there's Saturday night, can't remember, but yeah, the night before was the men's match. So yeah, so a lot of Carlton supporters were obviously, you know, in town, I think the whole bloody cheer squad was there, I remember. There was functions everywhere. So yeah, so there was a bit going on, but that was 53,000. So I'm saying, you know, there was mm. 33,000, you know, disappointed Carlton supporters are at the games in 2019. So I'm back in 20,000 Adelaide supporters. <laughs> 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 and even fans, you know, they're used to travelling miles. They go out to Casey each week. So, you know, what's a little trip down Adelaide? Yeah, but there's only so many Range Rovers that can drive across the border, mate. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Just telling them Barossa Valley's nearby. That might move them. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a pessimist. I'm going with 6,000. And we go to the other final for week two, and that is the Brisbane Lions playing host to Collingwood at the Gabba. Gravesy, I'll start with you first. Who wins and by how much? Oh, it's going to be a ripper, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, my heart's my heart's in this one again because I do love the pies and Bree Davy and and the girls, Britain. Yeah, it's tough. Listen, the pies, simple as that. They, their stars need to fire. You know, they need Malloy up and about. They need and the others, yeah, you know, have been up and about. But it'd be interesting, you know. You know, Bree Davy, she gets. It'd be interesting to see what happens with Clark, doesn't it? Who she goes to this time? Um, you know, who she's the pimple on the bottom of uh, in the pies this time. So yeah, and I think the pies depleted defence of their injuries um, over the last couple of weeks have all been defenders, and yet Braz being back in makes a difference to that. So you know, definitely think she'll roll back this week. So yeah, so yeah, it makes me a little bit nervous. It's a good point. Um, uh, I think, I think, I think, I think. Lions love the Gabba. I loved watching the Lions play the Gabba a couple of weeks ago, and I think the Lions forward um, firepower is going to be a little bit much, as I said, for the depleted defence. The big ground suits Lions a bit of run and carry, getting a bit of spread, a bit of that uncontested footy. And I reckon, you know what, mate? I reckon the Lions by six, and I reckon it's a 2017 rematch of the grand final uh, at the Adelaide Oval this time. So God help us all. Coach Kiwi, who wins by how much? Um, Yeah, look, I think... uh, I think... I, I reckon... I reckon Pies are smart enough to have done their homework to see where they lost in uh, round seven, I think it was. They lost by three points to Brisbane. Um, And I think, you know, Spark did a a really good tagging job, but I think the challenge with that is that the Pies midfield is pretty, you know, you've got some other really good players in there with, um, you know, with Lambert. If she swaps in with Malloy, um, Benici goes in. And then Kirsty Stratters, Kirsty Stratters, Stratton, play, play, Stratton? Stratton, Stratton, 
Strats played really well on the weekend. So I think, you know, if Spark goes to one of the others, it just frees up someone like Strats to come through and, um, you know, make good use of that ball. I think I think Sharni's going to have a better go in the ruck that this weekend and um, provide that that first opportunity to use the ball through the midfield. Um, so, um, you know, and I'm picking Lambert to get up. If, if, if Davey is not being the ma- <clears throat> excuse me, Davey's not being the major ball winner, I reckon Jamie Lambert will be. I just think she's just got a head for finals. She's hungry. She will just get that team going. And um, you know, and as Greg you said, Beloy is just a gun player, and she has these patches of magic. And you know, here's a chance for her to just do that throughout the match for a little bit longer. So um, yeah, I'm gonna. I know it's in Brisbane, but I'm actually gonna go to the Pies this week, and I reckon they're gonna win by nine. So there you are. You're both tipping Adelaide, but the dispute is in the Lions and Pies game. Gravesy going for the Lions and Coach Kiwi going for the Pies. That wraps up for this week. Thank you both, and we look forward to your company again next week for another Coach versus Coach. Thank you, Faye. you, Kiwi. <laughs> And that will conclude a brief Women's Australian Rules football podcast for this week. Apologies that we don't have our usual State League reports. Again, I was trying to chase up a couple of interviews out of SANWA. Unfortunately, they couldn't come through in time. And I had actually been working overnight shift at work all of this week. So my time was uh, very limited this week. And a number of the State Leagues were also on their Easter break as well. So apologies that this podcast isn't up to our usual standard. where We've been going for about two and a half hours and that we've only clocked in about 40, 45 minutes this week. We hope to make it up to you next week, particularly when we preview the AFLW Grand Final. Don't forget we've got live VFLW action this weekend on WARFradio.com Saturday and Sunday beginning at 1pm. We've got on Saturday at Arden Street Oval, North Melbourne versus the Darabin Falcons and on Sunday we've got Collingwood versus Carlton at Victoria Park. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just put a slash at the end and WARF Radio. Again, apologies for a shorter edition this week. Again, we ran out of time. This is a volunteer production, and I hope to make it up to you again next week.